Hello and welcome to Lisa Express Podcast. We have been on a 12-week series on sex trauma. And the first part, five episodes actually, were dedicated to redefining sex trauma. What are the things that constitute sex trauma? Some of the things we mentioned are things people will never think about. For example, topics like female genital mutilation. People do not look at it as a sexually traumatic experience because it's not even popular. Even though over 200 million women are victims, according to the United Nations and WHO, even though we have all of those statistics, it's still a campaign on the banner. It's not a personal experience to people. People don't relate with it. People don't connect it to the bedroom. People don't connect to what it does to a person's biological system, to a woman's biological system. People don't connect with what it does to her mind, what it does to her self-esteem, what it will do to her sex life all her life, right? All the days of her life. People don't consider those things. People don't look at that implication. And we went into, okay, let me just give you a teaser in case you missed it. You're going to have to go back and listen to those episodes. Anyway, we covered body shaming and rape. We also spoke about how rape is not a feminine problem. Rape happens to boys. The same way body shaming happens to boys, by the way. I find it pretty interesting that I would call a man handsome, which is something I tend to do quite often. Not at my work, but I try to do it in social environments. And I would say to a man that he is handsome. Half the time, the reaction I get is, you don't mean it. You've got to be teasing. And then I get some fraction of the other half who have the, oh, I know I'm handsome because people always say it. But then what do you want? They're used to people telling them they're handsome only because the person wants something from them. And many times it's the fact that the person has already sexualized them in his or her mind before saying, oh, you're handsome or you're this. And so the same way women are body conscious because people have given them compliments and used it against them sexually. Men have been victims of the same thing. The same way women have been told that they are ugly, that their body doesn't fit. Men have been told the same thing. The same way women have been teased about being too tall. Men have been teased about being too short. The average lady wants a man who is tall, maybe not dark and handsome, but I mean, tall, dark and handsome is the popular requirement, right? And so men have had to deal with this concept of body shaming in their own way and it does affect them even in sexual relationships depending on how intense this body shaming is so go back go listen to that episode that's the first episode in this series then we move to fgm like i already mentioned fgm is female genital mutilation and how fgm is not synonymous to male circumcision Within that same episode, we also covered coercion and manipulation. Then we went to the third episode, which was incest and parental sexual dysfunction. We moved forward to pimping and sex slavery. Then finally, we moved to child marriage and premature exposure to sexual content. All of these are bits and pieces of things that can traumatize our sex lives, right? And so in this part two, which is what I'm starting today, four episodes, I'm going into why sex trauma is hard to recover from. And my topic for today in particular is communal ignorance. One reason why sex trauma is hard to recover from is communal ignorance. The people who live in the physical environment and the people in our social environment, how educated are they regarding sex trauma? If you've listened to this podcast for a while, we've had the podcast running for over two years. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, then you must have actually, our podcast is the longest thing we've done. So yeah, our podcast is over six years old, even though we've stopped in between. I have mentioned 
quite a few stories and I'm going to go back and mention one of those old stories again today. I remembered a situation when I was growing up where a married woman got raped in front of her husband. I was quite young. I was quite young. I didn't know when the rape happened. I knew the period it happened, but I didn't know precisely the day it happened. But then the couple had an altercation in front of my mom's shop. And there was the reaction the man had about, he was very dismissive of her. He used to adore that woman and he was very dismissive of her. And part of the conversation was the fact that she enjoyed the rape. And I couldn't for the life of me understand why a woman will enjoy the rape and how the man who was trying to defend her almost got himself killed trying to stop them from raping her. And I just felt like something was not correct with that narrative. Something must have been inaccurate in the way he was telling that story. Because nobody enjoys getting raped, let alone getting raped in front of other men and then in front of her husband. So it wasn't just this one criminal who came in and raped her. This person was raping her in front of the other people who came to rob the house. And her husband was also present. That could not have been a funny experience, except this person was practicing some crazy level BDSM, or this person is used to abusive sex, or this person enjoys voyeurism. And even if they enjoy voyeurism, they should be the ones watching, the one watching, not the one experiencing the rape, right? Um, it, it's talk. It really did stick. That story did stick in my head for the longest of times until I started to practice and I realized that woman must not have been the only rape victim who experienced orgasm. That's if she did. Let's assume that's why the man was pissed. That woman must not have been the only rape victim who experienced orgasm. And so the question becomes, what is orgasm and how does it happen? A lot of people have defined orgasms as climax, as the rainbow as falling over the cliff and there's been all of those experiences and some people say you have to do this and that and that to them before they can get to orgasm and i hate to break it to you that sometimes the body and the mind are saying two different things let me explain that if you touch someone right they don't need to necessarily like you to respond if you touch someone right they don't need to necessarily like you to respond. For example, regardless of how much I trust you, if you come close to my eyes, my eyes will close. It's reflex. If you touch someone in a place where they perhaps have more nerve response, they would respond. So if sex happens, forced sex, rape happens, sexual contact happens, well, it's not something this person wants, something they permit. But whoever is the abuser happens to be doing something right. The body will still respond. And I'm saying this so I can set you free from the guilt and the shame you've been experiencing as a victim. Saying, well, I had an orgasm when rape happened. Or I had an orgasm when this person touched me, even though I didn't want them to touch me. Um, I enjoyed it when this happened, even though I wasn't supposed to and I hated it, even though I felt violated. It's possible for you to have an orgasm and still feel violated. Just have that in front of your mind and get to rest. You can feel violated and still have an orgasm. Because orgasms are complicated for some people. They are not complicated for some other people. There are people who can think themselves into an orgasm. The first time I read that, I was deeply, deeply impressed because I was wondering how great must be their mental pictures for them to be able to think themselves into orgasms, 
right? So as much as orgasms are complicated for some people, they are not complicated for some other people. But then there's also the person who's touching you just having skill or there's them coincidentally doing something right. And it's possible for someone to do something right. When it comes to touching someone's body, I have a personal theory. I'm yet to finish developing it, so I don't have a research document on it, but I'm working on it. I have a personal theory that a person's body is like a musical instrument. Maybe because I'm musical to a certain degree, I don't play any physical instrument. My voice is my instrument. But I believe the body is like an instrument. You could touch a note. You could hit a nerve point, hit something that sends waves down your partner's body. You could hit a note. But some other times, I feel like if you are attentive enough, you can strike a chord. So for those of you who don't know music, a chord is when you have three sounds, three distinct sounds that are separate, right? They're separate. But then when you hold three of them together, they give you a harmonious note. They give you a harmonious sound. It sounds like one note, but it's really not one note. It's actually three, right? So you have like the usual three note chord, right? And so I strongly believe that it's possible for you to strike a chord on your partner's body. And sometimes you strike a chord because, oh, you've touched a note here, you've touched a note there, touched a note here, and then you learn to strike a chord. Like, okay, I touched them on their shoulder and something happened. Then I kissed them around their neck and something happened. And I do this and something happens. Follow me. I'm on a journey with you today because I need to break the ignorance of this whole orgasm trap that happens to abuse victims. And so it's possible for you to know how to strike a chord on your body because you've played different notes on your body across different times. I remember telling someone how their knuckle was sensitive and the person was arguing with me. And then I touched the person's knuckle setting when the person shook. Like, how did you do that? I'm like, well, there are notes. You can play them. It's an instrument. Understand that your partner's body is an instrument. I'm not doing sex ed today, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> I say this because someone can accidentally strike a chord on your body. And I would have argued this up until 2017. I was in a public gathering, guys. Public gathering with over a hundred people in the room. So this was not some private meet and greet. I would say, oh, the light was dim and the music was flowing and there was wine. No, it was a public gathering and I was talking to this guy about something. I can't remember what we were talking about. He did something. He did plenty things that he didn't even know about because I didn't tell him. I didn't want to encourage the behavior and I didn't want it to continue. He did something that was supposed to be one thing, but then it was a lot of things to my body. And I remember standing like, oh my God, he didn't even know he did it. He didn't even know. Because if he had known, he would have continued. He didn't know what he did. And I didn't tell him what he did. And every time I've told this story, I've had people ask me what he did. I'm like, why should I tell you what he did so you can come and do it? Oh, absolutely not, baby. That's my secret. <laughs> That's my secret for the keeping. Like, that was a totally random move. This person wasn't trying to learn to play my body. This person wasn't. It was in a public gathering. So it wasn't a private thing. I'm emphasizing that so you understand that someone can accidentally strike a chord on your body. The problem with the abuse setting, when an abuser successfully strikes the right chord, is that you suddenly lose the victim position. And I'll explain losing the victim position. It's easy for you to come and say, oh, I got raped when you're bleeding. It's easy for you to say, I got raped when you were screaming and people found you screaming. It's easy for you to scream rape and shout foul 
when it happened in your house versus when it happens in his house, when it happens in her house. It's easy for you to scream rape when the person is older and you are younger. It's easy for you to scream rape when you can play the victim card, when everybody can see that you are the victim. But when things like orgasm happen, it's complicated because people are ignorant. People don't understand that that can happen in a rape situation orgasms can happen. And because of the communal ignorance around topics like this, every time a victim happens to have had orgasm, they dismiss the rape. I've heard arguments like she enjoyed it. And I'm using ladies as an example because female rapes are the most reported rapes, not because they are the most prevalent rapes. Pay attention. Female rapes are the most reported rapes. They are not the most prevalent. We don't know what is most prevalent. We don't know what is most prevalent because we don't have statistics on both ends. We only even have statistics for heterosexual rapes. We don't even have statistics for homosexual assaults as well, right? So I'm using ladies because there's data. We have data for that. That's one aspect of communal ignorance, orgasms and rape. Another aspect of communal ignorance that we don't pay attention to is that people don't know what to do with sex trauma. It's not as if they approve of it. They don't know the next step to take, which is why it's hard for you to recover from sex trauma, whether it was body shaming. So, for example, someone body shames you and another older person walks up to you and says, oh, don't mind them. But you need to do more than don't mind them. You need to find a way to raise up your guard so they don't have access to you. You need to find a way to release the negative words they've already spoken into your mind that you already believe. You need to find a way to re-empower yourself of the power they just withdrew from you. Because every time someone says something negative and you believe it, it draws out, it reduces your belief in yourself. It reduces your confidence, right? So this person has diminished your self-esteem tank. This person has diminished your self-love tank. You need to do more than don't mind them. But they don't know what else to tell you. In the case of FGM, for example, people can come and say, oh, we're sorry. In fact, that's even an educated person that will say they're sorry. After they tell you you're sorry, what next? Okay, let's say they stitched the vulva together. Okay, we go ahead and then I think it's defibrillation that it's called. We go ahead and losing it. Then what next? How does your body heal? How do we help your mind? We really don't know what to do. Communal ignorance is major. Even as a therapist, I still don't get enough quality resource materials to help my clients with. Good case in point. When it comes to medical school, the male anatomy is well labeled than the female anatomy medically. It was within the last two decades, particularly this decade, that we began to get the female anatomy correctly. Up until the last 15 years, the clitoris was labeled wrongly. We used to think the clitoris was just the board outside, like that was the entire clitoris. No, the clitoris is almost as long as the penis, except it's inward. And so what people used to call the G-spot is the internal version of the clitoris on the outside, where you have the connection of the nerve in the internal wall of the vagina. That's what people call the G-spot, right? We now have that kind of information as social information. So we have people fighting. We have feminists who've done fantastic work fighting for the female body. And so we have a lot of information on TikTok, on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, all of the social media channels bombarding us with now correct anatomy and correct details of the female body. But here's the flip side nobody talks about. We don't have male anatomy in social gatherings. We don't have books on male anatomy that are not medical books. 
I mean, I could go into a bookstore and buy books like Vagina by Naomi Wolf and buy Vagina Bible by Dr. Gonta, if I'm not mistaken, to be Dr. Jen Gonta. I can buy books like that. But there are hardly books on the pennies. Hardly. All the resource materials I found that were for supposedly men were about how men can pleasure women. There are hardly any books that are written for women to pleasure men. Yet, we have hundreds and hundreds of female events every year that are dedicated to women having better sex with their husbands. They're telling women, oh, men like this. How do you know what men like when we don't even have books on them? How do we know what men like when men aren't even having conversations to tell us what they want? Communal ignorance is so major because we don't know what to do when situations now arrive. We don't even know what to do with the human body sexually, let alone what to do when that body is traumatized. For example, the female body, the vagina, let me stick to the vagina so you know what I'm saying. The vagina muscles tend to, every muscle retains memory. We have what is called muscle memory right? You do exercise for a certain duration of time. Your muscle begins to build memory regarding that routine. And after a while, it doesn't bother it anymore because, I mean, that's the routine, muscle memory. The vagina walls have muscles as well. And so if you forcefully penetrate the vagina, what will happen is that muscle will retain that memory, especially if it happens consistently. Okay. Communal ignorance comes to play. In the fact that when this person gets into a committed relationship and she's not enjoying sex, everybody just thinks, oh, uh, just convince her and let her know that you like her. Oh, no, that's not all you need to do. You need to retrain those muscles. You need to retrain them. You need to re-educate those muscles. You might even have to help those muscles relieve stress. That's why things like yoni massage exist. That's why ancient Eastern culture used to practice yoni massage, not necessarily for rape, but because some of the memory trapped within some women's vaginal muscles are actually terrible memories maybe from rape maybe from traumatic childbirth doesn't necessarily mean you have to go have a yoni massage i'm just giving you context communal ignorance comes to play in how we recover because if the people around you don't understand the gravity of what has happened to you they will downplay what you are experiencing they will downplay your trauma because the way you're responding makes them uncomfortable about their ignorance when the people around you don't know how to help you transition from the pain they know you are experiencing. So everybody admits, for example, that you are a rape victim. Everybody admits that FGM happened to you and it's incorrect. If they don't know what to do to help you transition, all you get is sympathy. And sympathy is not enough for healing. Sympathy is not enough for healing. You have to do much more than get sorry. You have to do much more than get encouragement. We have a conference coming up. Lisa Express is partnering with Audacity Nation, a Christian community, to host a conference in the city of Abuja. And the theme of the conference is the courage and power to be spiritual, smart, and sexy. That particular theme, what made us pick the theme was not even the word courage. It was the word power. Because it's possible for you to be encouraged and not be empowered. So I can come encourage you and say, oh, I know the rape was bad. I'm so sorry. I know they caught you and it was not nice. I know people said negative things about your body and I'm sorry. If that's all I have to say, I don't help you. A problem shared is half solved. But my question is what happens to the other half of the problem? Because, <laughs> sweetheart, if you don't deal with the other half, your problem is gone before by tomorrow morning. You're going to think about it and feel it all over again. The problem doesn't go because you're sorry about it. A key reason we don't heal is communal ignorance. And so I've mentioned communal ignorance around rape. 
I've mentioned communal ignorance around helping you heal. I mentioned communal ignorance around your body, right? I'm also going to mention communal ignorance regarding the law. So people don't know what you've experienced. They don't know the gravity of what you've experienced because they think, well, this caveat was there. People don't understand how to help you transition into healing. But people don't also know what is required for justice. Thought I knew what was required for justice until 2017. Yes. So 2017, I had a program titled Abuse, Trafficking and Addiction. That was our first major program at Lisa Express. And we had a lawyer who came to teach. When Anne Ndubisi was speaking, honey, Anne Ndubisi was speaking, it occurred to me for the first time that I didn't know what the law said. What's the law regarding rape in your jurisdiction? So people say things like, I didn't have the nerve to confront the situation at the time, so I didn't report. And I'm sorry you didn't have the nerve to confront the situation, but you do realize that rape cases expire in certain locations. It was just about three, five years ago, certain states in Nigeria started to make rape cases open till whenever you're ready to talk about them. But until up until about five years ago, rape cases will close in most states in Nigeria by the 15th year. So if you don't summon the courage to confront the situation for 15 years, you never get legal justice. But the people around you don't even know. So nobody around you is advising you on what to do legally. And so this person has sexually abused you. This person has sexually traumatized you. This person is sexually traumatizing your kids. There's a pedophilia around you. There's a pedophile around you. And nobody's doing anything about it because you people don't know what the law says. There's someone who's practicing sex slavery, who's busy trafficking kids in your jurisdiction, in your neighborhood, and nobody's saying anything about it because nobody knows what the law says. It was also during that same conference that I realized that legally, rape is different from sexual assault. Sexual assault is when someone tries to touch you, harass you, maybe. So, Okay, so harassment would be if someone says something sexual to you in the office, for example. That's sexual harassment. I had my boss try to drag my bra in the office. That's sexual harassment. Or oh, that was not figurative. That actually happened. The same year I hosted ATA, for that matter, the same year I hosted abuse, trafficking, and addiction, was the same year my boss sexually harassed me in the office, and I did not report it. I'm saying it so you will know that you are not the only person who's falling victim. The same year I hosted ATA, which is abuse, trafficking, and addiction, I'm going to call it ATA going forward. The same year I hosted ATA was the same year a senior therapist sexually harassed me. I was giving him breakdown of some of the things I'd experienced in my life. And he said, oh, that he can actually do practical and make sure that I've recovered. So he's going to touch me and he's going to do this. But um, when his penis gets close to the tip of my vagina, he's not going to enter. I'm like, wow. Now you need to hear how convincing this man sounded. First off, I wouldn't be having that conversation if it was not a professional conversation. When I say professional conversation, I was talking as one who was talking to a therapist, except this therapist knew they had enough power to disrespect me and take advantage of me. And the only reason I had the courage to walk out of that room that day was because I knew that this was not supposed to happen. If I want to have sex with him, I'll have sex with him. And if I want to tell you about the fact that I had sex with him, I will tell you that. But for a therapist to try to take advantage of me, and I'm not talking about a therapist with a BSc who will say, oh, okay, maybe this person is young and they're not so wise. This person has a PhD. So they knew all the ethics of the profession and they decided to go against it. Again, when power comes in contact with ignorance, abuse is prevalent. So I'm trying to educate you so that you can stop abuse from being prevalent around you. What does the law say? If the person penetrated and there is no semen, the law in certain jurisdictions does not accept it as rape. Because you can't prove that the person penetrated the vagina. 
Okay, so what's the law? What does the law in your neighborhood say about child abuse? What's the law on human trafficking? What's the law on rape? What's the law on sexual assault? What's the law on sexual harassment? How do you go to court? Do you know any lawyer? Do you know any NGO? What do you know? What do you know? The reason is hard for you to heal and it's hard for the people around you to heal is because all of us are ignorant. We are all ignorant as a community. We are all ignorant, myself inclusive. There are things I find out and I'm like, huh? What? What? What's going on here? I have been looking for a book on penis for three years. I have not found a good book on the penis. And I am borderline frustrated and annoyed because I have male clients to work with. And I can't even get down to the basics of their biology beyond just medical books. Where are their experiences? Where are their surveys? Where are researches that are done predominantly by men, for men? Or at least where are researches that are done for men? And I know I would have to do some of them, but it's still not funny that we don't have this kind of information. Only one in 10 men will report an abuse. Only one in 10 men. How many men have been victims of abuse? We don't even have enough statistics. So how do we help? I'm going to round up with this story on communal ignorance. When I was about 14, 15, yeah, I, I do have a lot of stories. I didn't used to share my stories on this podcast before. <laughs> When I was about 14 or 15, I had this classmate say he was in love with me. I said, oh, I don't even know why I had this stupid question in my head, but I told him to prove it. <laughs> and the young guy started taking off his shorts. I just started laughing. I was 14 going to 15. This person was already 17. I just started laughing. Like, that's not how you show me you love me. And he stood there mortified. Like he really just stood there mortified. Like, isn't that what he's supposed to do? That when you love a girl, you sleep with her. Is that not what you're supposed to do? And I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm the girl. If you sleep with me, I get pregnant. So no, thank you very much. It was hilarious at the time. But as an adult, I have found out that we've trained the girl child to be more emotionally ready, more sexually ready, more socially ready than we've trained the boy child. And so the average boy doesn't even understand that he's experiencing body shame. The average boy will get sexually harassed by a woman and assume it's normal or think it's a compliment. The average boy child has been taught to find his identity in the number of people he slept with because that's what the men before him did or at least some of the boys around him, the ones who are loud-mouthed, that's what they've done and they look like men and people approve of them or at least some people approve of them. And we go about passing on ignorance from generation to generation. And we wonder why body shaming is not stopping. The average boy does not understand that FGM is not the same thing as male circumcision. Every time I say that thing, people get furious, but it's true. Male circumcision has medical benefits. Female circumcision has no, absolutely no medical benefits. WHO has an entire book that is about 100 or 300 pages large on it. Go to WHO website and search for FGM. There's a whole book on it. Go download it. It has no medical benefits. FGM does not become healthier because it happened in a hospital, right? People don't know. People don't know all of these things are sexual trauma. That's why we spent the last five weeks exegating what sexual traumas are. What are the many ways sex trauma shows up? If you have any questions whatsoever, feel free to ask at www.lisaexpress.com. When you send us your questions, we would respond with a YouTube video. But you might not know when the video goes live. So the easiest way to know when the video goes live is to subscribe to our newsletter again on our website at www.lisaexpress.com. Better still, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram at lisaexpresswu. 
or just search for Lisa Express Wellness. I cannot wait to get into next week with you because in the next four weeks, we're going to be seeing why recovering from sex trauma is hard and then we will move into how to recover from sex trauma. Until next week, have fun.